Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Post Analog Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in for this week's show. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Go to the website on your phone, join and receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag is where the game starts. John is going to be the middleman. He's going to be the judge and jury. I look up to John as like the older brother. Uh, Nate introduced me to John. So since uh, me and Nate, I, I would maybe I'm not... I'm hoping I'm not overbearing and speaking for you, Nate. Mm-hmm. We were a little too snobby because we listened to like Moax and stuff. Mm-hmm. And is it true that we didn't like the West Coast as much or we were very selective about West Coast music of hip hop? Uh, I think we were more interested in the kids from different high schools. You know, we already know what's going on the West Coast. We hear it all the time here, you know, but I think we just wanted to hear what was going on in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So that was really it. It's not necessarily, I don't think we disliked it. It, Again, that analogy of um, if there was a lot, like when we were coming up again, West Coast uh, gangster music was was huge, you know, like NWA, Eazy-E, Ice Cube. Um, all these cats and they were doing an awesome job and I would listen to that music the way I would watch a, uh, a gangster film. I would appreciate it. I like a Scorsese flick. I like a Dre song. Does, so it's not a dislike. It was just another form of entertainment, but I preferred, you know, musically to, to hear what else was going on. Okay, John. So for your start, uh, let's, let's just start, let's say from 88 to 2000, right? Um, I know behind the scenes we were talking and I, 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 I'll say it to the listening audience. I was a snob and Nathan was there uh, to help usher in other good music. But I was just like, you know, fuck this West Coast shit. Like I liked, you know, uh, the hieroglyphic crew. I liked the alcoholics, you know, that, that sound, the far side, but as far as for like Easy E, NWA, Ice Cube, it took a while. It, it took like Ice Cube for me to break off. Like today was a good day. I was like, okay, maybe I, I can start fucking with this. But for you, how would you label your ear as far as for were you more tipping towards the East? Were you pretty equal as far as for West Coast, East Coast sound? Uh. It's close to equal because if you think about it, if you live or uh, listen to the music in the 80s, it's like before Gangster Rap was around, I mean, Parliament was there, right? And you got Zap and you got uh, the old 50s maybe or you had Shalomar, you know? So if you think about it and you listen to the melody of that song, um, you hear the kick and the snare. The snare always slaps, right? Especially on Zap. Now, if you take Gangster Rap out or West Coast uh, type of beat, and then you hear some, you know, all of a sudden it, it, it you know, kind of passes and all of a sudden, oh, somebody started rapping on, the, on that track. You'd be like, oh, I heard this song before, but it has a Zap background. And I think if you sort of appreciate that, because you've already had it, you know, you've already listened to that stuff and you hear like, you know, a, a, a rapper on top of that, it, it kind of like, it, it, it moves you there quicker. You don't have to get used to it, you know? You get used to it faster, I should say. So if you hear that slap on a Zap song and you hear somebody just, uh, you know, saying what he want to say, 
like any West Coast rapper would say, you know, you'd be like, yo, this is pretty dope. You know, mm -hmm. that's how I grew into it. And then when that happened, and, and like I said, you can't deny the, the West from the East or the East from the West, because I, I sort of like, I don't know, I just liked all the flavors, man, in, in music that, you know, hip hop music that is. So what's a percentage break, would you say? Because I would say okay, I was 90% East Coast. What I listen to now? Like, no, then, then, because topically we're supposed to be the West Coast maybe, kids before, that before were East West Coast, Coast rap came out before West Coast rap. I was probably eighty twenty. Okay, eighty percent East Coast, twenty percent West Coast, and then once I started DJing in LA, and it was mandatory for me to play West Coast music. That's when I started going like seventy thirty. 60 40 and sometimes on a good drunken night it's 50 50 you know what i'm saying because mm -hmm. it's like whoa i can actually i'm not saying i was one of the few djs a lot of djs did was you know uh mix the east coast with the west coast type of music i'm and a witness to that was that i'm a witness to that yeah 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 i mean I'm, come on man i've watched i've brought you in those uh big clubs that you say it's gay and uh the yeah, I was on the female the section while you were on the men's <laughs> section. <laughs> the palace, remember when uh uh what's his name? Uh Big Boy was still there, DJ and Romeo, mm -hmm. when they took over the Baker Boys when they left Power 106. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but man, I was playing like an old biggie with like a bone thugs, bone thugs to ice cube, ice cube to gangstar. I was mixing them all up. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to, like, be one-sided or this-sided, but it's all how I felt. And then every time I play at, uh, like, a popular L.A. club, I always had to do that because everybody was asking for West Coast music, which oh. I, didn't, I didn't mind. You know? so, so, Nate, you also spun. So share with the audience uh, the type, if you can recall, because it's been so long. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like the type of music, like the way John broke down like his sets a little bit. I think uh, John brought up a lot of valid points. Um, and it's great having these conversations because he makes me rethink about my frame of mind back then, you know? I think one of the things is the music I was mainly into was instrumental left field hip hop, right? But what I did appreciate about West Coast stuff was like John said, it's, it's a very great point that Dre was sampling Parliament, Funkadelic, like all this stuff that I grew up listening to from my dad. So there was that access or entry point or familiarity, familiarity, you know? So, and because I was mainly into the music, to be honest, I don't think I, I paid attention too much to West Coast lyrics. I was just into the beats. I mean, no one can deny Dre's production, you know? So you're going to appreciate the music regardless. The lyrics is something totally different, you know? Um, another thing John said was, it's true. If you played in L.A. and you didn't play L.A. music or West Coast music, <laughs> to say that it was mandatory is an understatement. If you didn't play, I've been in situations where I've almost had crowds boo me yeah. from a DJ booth. Like, no joke. Like, they were like, yo, fuck all that Moak shit. Play some Snoop, nigga. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you know? And I've been in situations where I'm like, damn, dude, I, I got to honor that, you know? So then I think... Like John said, over time, I incorporated more West Coast stuff into my sets. But again, because I was mainly into instrumental stuff, I might have dropped like a Dre instrumental into a DJ crush or Moax with, you know, like a, a cool, like Bone Thugs and Harmony joint, you know, and try to find some common ground because I was about trying to expose people to new music. But at the same time, you have to play what they know or they'll get angry. Plain and simple. Yeah, right. you don't and get paid. You don't get paid either. So if you want to get paid, it's like you gotta play some West Coast music. Yeah, because that's the power of the promoter, West right? What was that? That's the power of the promoter to be unhappy, and I'll maybe I pay you half. Yeah, and sometimes if you piss them off, they're like, oh, "I'll see you later." You know what I'm saying? But you know, you pick you pick your poison. So and a lot of times you got paid a percentage of the bar. So you had to know how to keep people dancing and drinking 
Because at the end of the night, the more people you got to drink, the more money you would make at the end of the night, you know? So sometimes if you're playing turn up music, people want to turn up. If I'm playing all this like head nod, you know what I mean? Beat stuff is not motivating people to dance and sweat and buy drinks, you know? So you're finding that again, that fine balance. And that's, that's the tricky part of DJing. You know, it's a tough gig. So for me, uh, for the listening audience, while these two are like masterful with DJing, I was more on the both the suit end where I got into like good vibe recordings as working in marketing and promotions. Uh, I used to throw events at numerous clubs like the Conga Room, um, the Temple Bar, stuff like that. So I was more the other side, right? Yeah, hey, you used to give me some good records too from Good Vibes. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I regret that. You gave me, <laughs> you gave me a like a Slum Village mm-hmm. uh, single. I forgot which one it was. I have it in my record collection somewhere. It's probably the best record you have. It probably is. Probably is. <laughs> I have a lot of those promos too. I got a lot of those goodbye promos. Yeah, right. yeah. Whatever I had, I just handed to the homies. I think it's only limited to like four people, and you guys were already two of four that I would hand to. Anyway, anyway, so, um, but, but on my end, um, the, the first part of this conversation really is on the professional end, right? Like for me, because I, if I had to factor bar tabs and Nate, you were talking about sliding scales, John, you know about that because if the difference between if the bar made three grand that night mm-hmm. versus 10 grand, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's almost like a monthly bonus. Mm-hmm. a full monthly bonus, right? Mm-hmm. So on my end, yes, I agree with you guys. You had to, you know, part of DJing is really listening and looking at the crowd, mm-hmm. catering yeah. to their reaction, right? So I completely agree, uh, all humor aside. And it, the, the tough thing is when all three of us, though, on our bedroom aspect, mm-hmm. let's remove the career aspect of playing out, but what you only listen to, this is me speaking. I'm not speaking for John or Nathan. I was fucking very snobby. I, Ice Cube, Dre, very limited. But I was, I was, I was so like Jerry Rudamage of Black Moon, Diggable Planets, you know, hey, everything. Me, me too. That's what I'm saying. So now we're going to talk about your personal, your bedroom stuff. Where would you label yourself as far as for East versus West? Because now we're not talking about the career. I'll let Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm right now, I'm 60-40 right now. No, then. You're talking about what then? During like, that time, because DJing uh, to a crowd is different to what you want to listen to in the car. God, I was 50-50, man. Still. Interesting. On, I, I was playing a lot of like Dre, Chronic, 2001. NWA is that is that something you would fuck with too? Like uh, because it it caused havoc in the club, man. Security guards would be like trying to stop fights or mm-hmm. people going crazy on the floor. Everybody be like, see walking on one side. People would be throwing signs on the other, and they'll be like, "Yo, you gotta stop that," you know. Everybody be see walking or turns into a mosh pit. Sometimes I was like, "Hey, it's gotta stop." Mm-hmm. So. That's when I start playing East Coast stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. East Coast to West Coast, you kind of like got to change the moods all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there was nights when people were actually want only West Coast music. And it was my duty to put West Coast and East Coast because a lot of these West Coast heads, I've never listened to East Coast heads, actually say thank you to me because they've never heard of like J. Rue or Gangstar. You know, these, these young cats, because they grew up with Tupac, you know, Tupac all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how many times they asked for Tupac. Sure. Uh, you know, and then instead of, you know, I'll, I'll play Tupac and then I'll play a Biggie. I'll play another Biggie and then I'll play another uh, Ice Cube, you know. And then, uh, hey, you know, I'll, I'll even play, I'll even play uh, Paperboy, you know, which not my favorite song, but... Uh, Gotta do it. Yeah, I did it. But then right after that, I'll put a J. Rue just because uh, the BPMs are the same. And people be like, yo, this guy's dope. Who is he? That's J. Rue, produced by DJ Premier. And they'd be like, who's DJ Premier? 
Gangstar. They'd be like, yo, send me, show me the album. I'll show them the album. And they'd be like, I'll come back next week. And these are West Coast heads. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I felt good showing these guys what East Coast is about, you know, and, and they end up liking it. You know what I'm saying? Before I get to you, Nate, like in radio, uh, Jimmy Steele, I got to credit Jimmy Steele for this. Uh, he's the vice president for MS Communications. I interned yeah, for Power 106. Yes, I did. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, I entered for them, but I learned so much from the programmers, you know, like E-Man observing him. Um, God, I forgot already, but I'm talking about Jimmy Steele. He was like, the best way for you to usher in a scene is get the crowd first. So, like, I, I would try to play uh, Jay Davey. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, the way you want to seg that is if you like Alicia Keys, you got to peep out Miss Jack Davey. This is a remix by DJ so-and-so. Peep it out. Boom. Hit play. So he's the guy that validated your point and revalidated. I had to recount that because there, there's a way to seg, mm-hmm. to expose. Uh, Nate, for you, bedroom time, in your car, shopping for yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what, what were the beats? What, 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 what would you label yourself as, probably? To be honest, at that point, uh, for personal stuff, I wasn't listening to anything from the U.S. I was listening to Molax from the U.K., DJ Crush from Japan. Like, I think I was a- across the water. Ninja Tune. Exactly, Ninja Tune. A lot of U.K. stuff. And again, you know, I'm British, so it's like that was part of, that's just in me, you know? Um, a lot of European, a lot of Japanese. Um, Nicolay, Sweden, um, just the Netherlands. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, I think that's if my personal stuff was mainly everything overseas. And I wanted to be the guy that broke those overseas records in the US. You know, in fact, one of my favorite stories about DJ Shadow, or no, uh, yeah, DJ Shadow. He's from Davis, California. DJ Shadow was making all that Ninja Tune, Moax, left field instrumental hip hop stuff. Couldn't get anybody in the U.S. to pay him any attention. He signs to a U.K. label. I think it was Moax. Moax started releasing his stuff in the U.K., and he came back into the U.S. as an import, and everybody was on his balls, you know? And he's just like, yo, I've been here the whole time, and no one gave a fuck, but now because I'm an import, now you're paying attention, you know? But that idea of when things came from overseas and you wanted to be the guy who, who broke those records, you know? So... Uh, and then, you know, it, I think we can all speak on this too. A lot of the stuff we're listening to was not necessarily club bangers, you know, like I would listen to like slow songs and classical and classic rock and you know what I mean? Just everything. And it's not stuff I'm, I'm not going to play like an old ragtime jazz song in a club. You know what I mean? But I was listening to that too. So. Yeah. That's and then, good. and then on my end, I really started moving towards the up-tempo stuff. Uh, thankfully, John, to give props to you and Nate, you guys were like very big influencers in my life before that fucking whack term influencer. Uh, but you guys both influenced me quite a bit in, in my listening ear. And then where I found solace was listening to more up-tempo, minimal, um, the trip-hop scene, essentially. That's uh, like Nate was... Uh, instrumental into uh going uk and i found a lot of solace in john sets of like oh no you got to hear this remix of the boot camp click you know so both of you guys i want to give you guys props and you better fucking savor that john (laughs) as props uh for being very influential to my ear and then um i want to play this one joint which is a which is you know a really clear example of uh where you know i was looking into music and um uh, one of our good friends uh, i don't think you've met him john uh warren uh he's gay (laughs) no he's literally gay not a pot shot but he would he would go like, "Hey, I know you're into Outkast and all this, and all this, but you gotta check out the music." He didn't know what there wasn't any like app to discover what song was playing in the club, but he's just like, "Dude, you gotta listen to some of this because 
the the instruments are like almost like hip hop kicks and snares. You know, so the funk mob to me, like like this stuff was like, oh, okay, there is life beyond what's the popular underground on Power 106, KMEL, uh, Stretch and Bobbito. When I, could, could you guys hear this? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really low recording. But Breakers started embracing La Funk Mob because of this instrumental. You know? And, and I found solace in stuff like this. And to admit insecurity to you guys and the audience, it, I just felt like, oh, I, I know more than the average fucking consumer. And, and I think as DJs, see, this is very minimal, right? But dude, like the way battlers embrace this song, it, it was just one of those things that I was like, oh, okay, there is this other shit. Which is kind of like tied to what Nate was talking about um, when he exposed me to like um, Moax, you know? So for me that, I mean, will, will you guys uh, have the room? It's funny, hold on, I have to show you this since we're still talking about it. Uh, sure, uh, but, I'll, uh, but for you, John, while Nate's digging. Um, Just to show you what the impact had, classic Moax right there to this day, Wow. Front and center in my collection, you know? This was like artwork by Futura 2000. Like, this was just mind blowing, this kind of stuff. So, yeah, along the same lines, La Funk Mom and all that. But to this day, like, huge influence for me. So, yep. yep. Yeah. But, um, Nathan, can you hear me from that distance? Yeah. Okay. So, John and Nathan, let, let's start with you, John, because you haven't been, it's been a while and we need the audience needs to hear your voice a lot. Um, well, what was satisfying about finding different shit? Was it like me where I felt selfish where I was like, no, fuck yeah, I dug and I found this shit. And none of you fucking are playing this shit. Did you, ever, did you ever experience that? Like, hey, I found this, so suck my dick. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that was the energy in our 20s. Like, you mean record-wise like record or just music-wise or? Anything, yeah. All things music-based. Records, singles, tapes, whatever. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of records where it was like epic. I always look for like pro the promotional copies because the promotional copies sort of like has acapellas or, or uh, what's up with this? Mm -hmm. Uh. You know, promotional copies always have the remix or a different acapella. You know, huh. nobody has that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I found it. You know, uh, old jazz records. <laughs> I'm I'm still into jazz. You know, so uh, yeah. But you know, I'll I'll play stuff if I open for somebody and just let people hear it. You know, for a good five seconds or ten seconds. You know, yeah. how, how about you, Nate? Did you have anything visceral or animalistic to like, dude, I found this shit and you motherfuckers don't have this. I think I would get encouraged from time to time when I'd have a really good gig. So to go mm. back to what we we're talking to, like, uh, I mean, to be honest, a lot of places I played, people weren't at the time. It's weird how all of that music that we were playing back then is now in, you know what I mean? Like, and this is 20 years later. But uh, I would play gigs and I would have situations where people were like, yo, play West Coast. Who is this dude? He's whack. I don't know what the <laughs> hell he's playing. I would have those moments and it's very discouraging. Uh, but then I would have other moments. Like one of, the, one of the gigs that sticks out of my mind, I think you were there, Charles, is I played Bounce Rock Skate. And I just remember like that was like so much fun because – yeah. I was up on a stage. I was playing all this stuff I truly am into. I wasn't compromising my sound. And I remember you and everybody, all the Concrete Grooves fam, like all you guys were up on stage with me. And I was playing and every single person in that crowd was like on board, you know? So it was this weird mix of just I'd have these great highs and really low lows, you know? 
but that's what it comes down to. You just got to find your people. And then when you found your people, of course, you know, you, you feel good about yourself. You, it reaffirms uh, what you felt about this music you were discovering. It made you want to share it more. It made you not want to compromise and just play pure, you know? But those gigs were few and far in between. But when they happened, they were awesome, you know? Right. And, and then, John, you also have an event that you were throwing pre-pandemic. Um, it's interesting, Nate. One of these days, I know you and I always stuck at home editing mm -hmm. photo, video, or music, or yeah. audio. Yeah. Um, but we got to make it out to John's event because it's kind of like the, the newer kids. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of college kids that are discovering – like they dress like they're into pop top 40 stuff, but they were like bobbing their head to yeah. the underground music. So it was kind of amusing. Yes. Very charming to see like semi liable bitches too, that you can totally like maneuver. They're like, no, I'm, I'm 30. No, I really am. I'm 30 years old. I'm, I, my ID says I'm 44, but <laughs> you got to talk to me, girl. Cause I'll be your daddy. <laughs> You could almost <laughs> consolidate a bunch of lies and they're like, See that music? That's my friend, John. I'm his friend. I influence John. Here's your fifth drink. Go ahead. Buy my bullshit. Let's listen to good music and maybe I'll take you home. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the listeners probably think I'm the devil now. But, um, uh, but, but yeah, would you, John, when... With, is it easier now to DJ and play like the underground hits or is it kind of like what Nate said where it's like, no, you really have to find your people. Cause I feel like this youth, this youth, our time, if you were into K rock, you dressed in like aqua shorts, board shorts, even though it's like 60 degrees, even though it's 75 degrees. Cause you were into hip hop, you're wearing a parka and a beanie. Yeah. You know, it was so soliloquied and binarily placed. Right. But right. the kids now I can't determine. Yeah, yeah. What music? You know, so is it is it easier? What was that? Is it easier now for this current tide? Uh, you know, it's easier now because I'm having fun, man. Because I'm kind of reliving what I did in the past. You know, the uh, open ciphers and all that stuff. You know, I try to implement that, and you kind of like, hey, I'm gonna do this, and if the kids like it, yeah, I'm gonna do it again. So basically, I'm just following the same blueprint when I used to do like open mic nights, or, or you can't call it open mic nights because open mic nights are different now. Mm. And then I have to, I have to say open ciphers because you know it's a different category from open mic nights way back then. But yeah, basically, I'm using the same blueprint now. Do an open cipher, and then play all the old instrumentals. You know, from old instrumentals to like boom bap basically and from boom bap i go to like uh you know the the newer which is the 2000 2001 2002 you know i i, I go into like quasimodo or madlib to jay dilla then i go back to boom bap and then the show starts mm -hmm. you know and i'm having fun because i'm actually coordinating it and every it's, it's just it's dope you gotta go nate I know. It's also, I mean, keeping the culture alive and that's, that's very important. Yeah. And then especially in, in Claremont with us, I mean. Yeah. That's sick, dude. That's super sick. Yeah. Vince and I went one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was cool. We got shit faced. And to, <laughs> no, and to even answer your question about the youth, Charles, like there's, there's always moments of hope. I'll give you a perfect example. My daughter and her friends wanted to make a statement with the whole black lives movement going on right now. So without, one day I was here and she made, my daughter made me and uh, Cynthia go up to the room. She's like, I'm kind of working on something. I need it to be kind of private. You guys mind disappearing for a while? We're like, all right. We had no idea what she was up to. Her and her friends choreographed a dance routine to Tribe Called Quest, We the People. And they posted it, you know? And I was like, mm -hmm. and of course me and Sin were like, we're so proud as parents parents like not only that she made a contribution to the movement but she danced to tribe called quest you know like what like we're not even thinking she's on like knowing you know what i mean so that was really sick so there's there's a lot of hope and i think uh the kids are on board with the sound you know okay well, you just gotta well, expose them to it basically see that last part sorry i cut you off you just gotta expose them to it that's all you know 
And so like what John's doing in, in Claremont, like the same way uh, when John, you were DJing and people were like, what is this record? And you would hold up covers. A lot of times they just haven't heard the music. So that's where the role of a DJ or, or music selector or curator or independent radio show or podcaster, it's very important because it's up to us to keep that music out there and keep it alive because it's still relevant, you know? There, there is like really, really good music out there where the kids are just, they're, they're constant remixers because they don't like that pop version. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to flip it with my instrumental, mm-hmm. which is great for what's happening right now. Um, and, and without the spirit of like constantly interviewing you guys, you, you know, do, do you, I feel prouder that I was more into East Coast underground stuff, going back to that. I feel like the heads that embraced both or were strictly East Coast underground heads were more open-minded than people that were just into West Coast stuff. Mm-hmm. You yeah. guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the second statement where I need your input on. Uh-huh. However, the the East Coast underground style heads that just stuck to that and didn't embrace Ice Cube, uh, the Far Side, are still better than just the West Coast heads yeah. who just listen to Pac, who just listen to WC, uh, who are just is E40 is Oakland based, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. So they were just, I would rather be on the East Coast side versus the West Coast side. And feel free, feel free to check me if um, I'm incorrect with that or voice your opinion. I know. I think, or go ahead, John. I feel like you're about to say something. No, it's like two different rap styles too, different genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? but fucking come on, dude. But hey, I got to agree with you somewhat in that sense because east coast rappers just it's come on man most deaf come on bro talib kwali talib i mean the intricacies of laying words within two different you know four bars two bars whatever it is Mm -hmm. and still be on melody and on point and ciphering more in the east coast it's come on man yeah. You know, yeah. I think East Coast was an influence of in the West Coast, too. I mean, I mean, look at the good life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you know, you got East Coast influence rappers there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, yeah, I just, I, I'm more attracted to it as opposed to some West Coast. Okay. Uh, a pretty easy analogy, right? So on the West Coast, if it was Pac, on the East Coast, it was Nas. If I look at the difference between the two of them, I feel like Nas was way more poetic than Pac. You just listen to his lyrics. I mean, it just like, and then when you see the Nas documentary and you understand his upbringing and his dad exposing him to like books on like Greek mythology and, you know, philosophy, his dad was in the military traveling around giving him and bringing back books from around the world that Nas as a kid is just reading, you know? So when he spits, Nas is still spitting gangster shit, but it was poetry, dude. It was just like, his lyrics were just like, I mean, for a kid to come on at 19 and completely change hip hop, that's the power of the East Coast. You know what I mean? so it's a lot of talent coming out the East. Not that we didn't have it in the West, but, you know, again, New York is the birthplace of hip hop. So yeah. it makes sense that they got a little bit of a head start. Yeah. And you know what? I'll toss two examples, right. Of, mm-hmm. of backing up my point. You look at the, um, what's that event that happens on Sundays? Uh, the do over. Yeah. That's a classic example of West coast heads mm-hmm. who embraced, Eastern, European, African culture. You know, you'll hear Afrobeat to old 90s underground to maybe something like Garage that had hip-hop breakbeat elements to it. Mm -hmm. Everything is played at the do-over, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, there are other uh, promotions. I don't want to die when I shop at Costco because a promoter sees me. Mm -hmm. But there's other promoters. They try to replicate that, but in their own way, but all they know is really like, I don't know, 
Pac and Jason Derulo and all this whack shit, you know? It's yeah. fucking... I don't want to die. So I won't name the people and the promoters, but, you know, for them, it's like they try to do their own hood version of uh, the do-over. It doesn't work. Yeah. And, and and one other thing that, that I would like to say is in compliment to Nate's point, like he talks about poetry. I did not feel Tupac's poetry. Uh, Granted, it had a good cause. It yeah. had a very stringent point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Afina Shakur is what, uh, an honorary or was a Black Panther, is a Black Panther member? Hey, let me, let me intervene on that one. You can't of course, because really... you love to cut people's points. Go ahead, John. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going back on that note. Like, you, you can't just say Tupac. I mean, you, there's, a, there's Snoop Dogg. Mm -hmm. He's a great ass rapper, man. I mean, DJ Quick. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Are they Venmoing you right now? Is no, that why you, you said that? They no, fucking I mean, PayPaling you right now? Yeah. And then you have you have DJ Quick with Sugar Free. Yeah. Sugar Free can't be touched, dude. Right, but I'm talking about Pac though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like I, I felt, I felt Snoop. I felt Quick. I like, yeah, I like Quick. But I don't want to generalize the whole West Coast just Pac. No, yeah. I'm 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 being specific. I'm being hyper specific. Like, because he Nathan used Nas and Pac. I did not yeah, feel Pac. You can't use Nas with Pac. Let's, what, what if we use Nas with Snoop? Different. Well, that. Yeah, I think Snoop. Again, if you listen to his lyrics, they're not uh, mind blowing. But his <laughs> no, no, no. But it, he has so much swag. It doesn't matter what Snoop. It's said. undeniable. It's yeah. undeniable. Like you just feel his spirit. His lyrics, honestly, if you listen to Snoop's lyrics, no offense, but they're garbage. <laughs> but his delivery, his voice, yeah. his flow, all of that completely dude, he could be talking, he could make a whole song about tomatoes and people yeah. would be like, that's fire, you know, because he's just got that thing, you know? His that, voice uh, sounded like an instrument, right, Nate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's right, but if we're talking about lyricism, and you brought up John earlier, like most deaf quali, I mean, those were true lyricists. Like, oh my god! Like, and most deaf off the dome would smash most of the guys on the West without even trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but again, it's like maybe we're being, we are being a little too general because it just depends where you're at. You know what I mean? If you grew up in Compton and you'd experience police brutality, of course you're going to feel, you know, NWA, NWA talking about fuck the police. That's going to mean more to you than me playing DJ Crush from Japan who has no understanding of that, you know? <laughs> so it just really, it's just where you are and, and what appeals to you. And that's the beauty of music. It's just subjective, you know? Um, I don't know. So it's, I, we are being a little snobby, the truth. We really are. I love that. But, yeah, yeah, I know you don't, but we are. Um, but I think at the end of the day, our hearts are in the right place. We were just trying to show people there's more than what's being presented to us. That's it. You know, it's just a different uh, love of interpretation, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I wouldn't, like, Tash from the Alcoholics, a lot, of, a lot of people didn't like his lyrics and delivery. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I thought he was dope. Like, I, ju I just think, like, you know, like the hieroglyphics crew. When when Saphir battled, <coughs> was it the Hobo Junction? But they didn't, never really got on that much. But so it was Saphir versus the Hyro crew, right? And then even Nathan brought this up. He called A-plus a, a piss-colored pencil neck Gumby. <laughs> Dude, you won me. Yeah, no. that, that's it you you yeah. took it yeah. you called casual fat in the stomach no. and Safir was like really buff yeah. and he's so impetuous and mc he won he fucked them all in the mouth yeah. <laughs> after he did all that it was done so it's not like i didn't like the hieroglyphics crew i mentioned it earlier i loved all of them yeah. you know but when it comes to a feeling i just felt like Safir just blasted their wives in the mouth dude <laughs> in that freestyle battle yeah. you know but but john i you know i value your opinion i wasn't trying to generalize about quick or um yeah. snoop like snoop he his voice is an instrument yeah yeah you know it, it literally it's like a violin it's like it doesn't matter what 
fucking rhythm or pattern. It's just when you hear the violin, it's just soothing, you know? Yeah. So, um, but before we wrap, um, th- there's one interesting thing where I feel like with older heads like us, I don't know if it's a case of, uh, are, is, is music still better during our time or are, are we discovering that each era has its fine points to listening pleasure, you know? That's a tough one. It's a, it's a very tough one. It's a tough one. Um, hey, let me expound before you guys say something. Because we're at a point where digging isn't important, as important as our aptitude in our 20s. You know, our, our analog time, you guys, you two, not me, had to go through like wax, pulling it out, putting it on a fucking turntable, listening to it, making it a half day. I didn't do that. I just bought the CD. And if it was whack, at least there was one song. <laughs> there's that's the way my consumer perspective was salvageable. Well, there's one song, it's more money for the artist. Mm-hmm. But but today I, I'm leaning towards yes for the instrumental parts. Okay. Yes for the instrumental parts. I, I won't necessarily give it up for lyrics because I listen to some of our lyrics, it's like, dude, why are you guys so angry? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, why why are you guys so fucking want to fight each other? Okay, you 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 can MC about MCing, but what 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 next? You know, that was kind of like for me stepping back and really evaluating from a young person's perspective. I think I'll jump in if you Here's the way I look at it, right? I feel I don't know what the best era of music was. And as I get older, I realize I let, I know less about good music than I thought I did. I'll give you a case in point. We're over here comparing hip hop from the East and West, right? In the golden era. Was sampled from our parents' generation's music. So it could be argued our music sucked because we had to take it from our parents. So, and I can say growing up, if I look back at what my parents were playing, it completely destroyed anything our generation listened to. And case in point, our generation sampled that music because it was so dope. We could have made, we made something newer of it. We kind of updated it a bit, but at the end of the day, hip hop was built on the foundation of older music. So, I would say at this point, my parents listened to doper shit than we did. Yeah. You know? And then here's another funny story. And this happens all the time. Sometimes I'll talk to my mom about Sade. My mom hates Sade. My mom thinks Sade sucks. And that is like, Sade? Like, really? And I think my mom has listened to artists, blues singers, jazz singers, whatever, uh, folk singers, uh, that from her perspective, Sade is like garbage. And I cannot fathom that because Sade is epic to me, you know? But I have to also give my mom her respect and understand she might know what she's talking about. Because as I get older, I'm listening to more and more of what they were listening to. That's my point. I don't know. So that's why it's a tough question. John, John yeah. I don't even go kind of a little further because mm-hmm. if you think about like you know the sixties paving it for the seventies, the sixties had a hard time paving it for the seventies, right? Yeah. And then the seventies had to pave it for eighties, which was not as bad. Disco to hip hop to the eighties, you know. Mm-hmm. But then the eighties embraced the nineties because there was a lot of eighties hip hop. Uh, hip-hop artists in the 80s sort of paved it for the 90s right and 90s kind of blew up and sort of like identified itself like a like a raw era because it's just raw skills right mm-hmm. but it started getting iffy like the end of the 90s 98 99 when technology started happening and i think it was harder for 90s to pave the way for you know the 2000s 
2005, 2010, because there's a big, there's a big gap in like culture and generation, you know, our culture back then was like what Charles said, you know, digging for records and actually analyzing it. But as technology progresses, it's like how you create things is different. You know, everything's fast. I'll just go to YouTube. I just do this. I don't need to dig records and sort of like analyze the whole LP. It's almost like fast. And if there's a SoundCloud, I'm going to, you know, upload my song. I mean, come on. The 90s back then, it was like you had to go through a gauntlet of MCs to actually know you're dope, to actually put songs out. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that right now, right? It's every man for himself, which I don't mind, you know. Technology is great. But that process of, like, sharpening the, you know, your knife yeah. in, in your skills, it kind of dissipated mm-hmm. you know you have to look harder to find that 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 uh, culture to make you sharp on your skills if, if you're into lyrics or stuff like that but it seems like now it's like you know let's make this song and let's just upload it and make cash money you know that that that, that seems like how it is right now it's like a shorter way of attaining a song as opposed to like a long trip to attain that song. Right. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? No. It's a different generation, man, because, you know, we want, we want it now and we're going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. But in our, in our era, we took it, you know, we, it took us months to just create one song mm-hmm. and just think about it. But now it's like, I'll make a song tomorrow. Let's do it. You know, like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Different culture, different generation, man. And uh, it's up to us older guys to actually accept it because these young guys won't listen to us anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, history repeat, re- repeats itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the people in the 80s. They're probably talking shit about us when we were in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the same thing, man. Yeah, I remember a lot of people, uh, they were in their 50s during the 80s, so they're either dead or like, you know, decrepit now, they didn't like Prince. Nah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people did not like Prince. And the only reason why they like Michael because of his lineage of, you know, being with Motown. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, but, but this, uh, we, we can close with this with what I'm saying, but you guys can react to mm-hmm. since uh, if you guys can do five more minutes, if you guys choose to react. Mm-hmm. Here's the one thing I will say, I'm giving out the secret to the card trick uh, where the youth has the up from in compliment to what nathan said our generation we sample mm-hmm. right this generation they know how to play the fucking keyboard they know how to play instruments because of youtube or they're self-taught due to examples online mm-hmm. right so that's their one up as far as for markmanship in being a musician right because our time um we were forced and even people 10 years older than us, they were forced just to sample, which is the birthright of hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. But here's my counter to that is, well, we didn't have YouTube. Everyone who is impoverished can get a Wi-Fi or a data signal and watch it. It's more affordable to get like uh, instruments now also, you know? So personally for me, um, being an active digger still for music, which is ironically backbreaking, even though I'm in front of a laptop compared to what you guys used to do, where you would dig through vinyl. I'm exhausted after like 45 minutes of digging in the computer. So for me, um, you guys are correct. There isn't the best form of music. I just feel like it's shameful if they don't like our era because the fidelity is, is low the definition is low and then they close their mind to the context of the lyrics and how the sound had to develop, you know? No. And, um, again, I would say maybe it is apples and oranges, you know, because, uh, of course, maybe even fruits and vegetable. That's different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a good point because again, our generation's contribution to that, musical lineage or time was hip hop. 
And we've been fortunate enough to be around for the birth and dawn of hip hop. And we've watched it evolve over decades, you know? Um, but, you know, there was the invention of rock. There was the invention of jazz and blues. And in those contexts, in those eras, that was groundbreaking to those people back then, you know? So if music truly reflects the spirit of the time, all we can hope for for music is just to reflect the culture at a moment in time, you know? And if these artists have done their job correctly, we can listen to a music from the 70s and know what it was like to live in the 70s. Uh, or again, civil rights movement. What was the music like coming out of all that tumult and, and, and chaos, you know? Um, so it's just, it's just really hard. It's just, you, I, I think what happens is you just get in a mood for a certain sound and you listen to it and it's appropriate for that moment and where you're at at that time, you know? So it's just hard to put a crown on any genre of music and any time of music. And uh, last thing, to your point, you're right. Uh, the newer generation with all this access to information, like someone could learn how to make music way quicker than we did. There wasn't a YouTube tutorial on how to use an ASR 10. You just had to freaking go through the manual and figure it out and maybe talk to another producer who might know what the hell they're doing, you know? Um, but now that uh, barrier to entry has disappeared, there's no more gatekeeper. So anybody can make music. And in theory, that should be a pure representation of someone's spirit or soul, you know? So maybe we're getting more pure music now. It, it's, it's weird. It, it, there's so many ways this can be argued, but I think, again, my feeling is um, it's all dope. It's all relevant. It's just different strokes, different folks, different times. John, you want to close? Oh, man, that's hard. You guys already pretty much nailed well, all the points. Well, maybe you can recant what you agree with, so we'll let you hit the home run. Oh, man. No pressure, bro. I mean. tardy motherfucker. Base is loaded. Base is loaded. I mean, I can only speak for myself, you know. Uh, there you go. The music is great. I I love the diversity and stuff and how like each decade sort of like it gives character to the next decade. But if if you're speaking about hip hop for me in my in my opinion, I would I would give the nineties like a turning point for hip hop where it's certain sounds defined defined itself like more prominent, you know, sort of like made it made a dent in what people wanted to be either East coast or West, you know, it actually gave you a pathway, which way you want to go. Well, give me Not an example. If there is one. Well, everybody knows the rivalry between East and West, right? I think it's just made people recognize what kind of hip hop they really want to make, you know, in the mm -hmm. 90s it was just like 90s was like almost like a catapult in making hip-hop what it is now big mm -hmm. you know and just opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for people just just for the 90s what it what it did for hip-hop now that's that that's a great close. Signing off with Plug One Two. Thanks. The Post Analog Podcast for Generation X. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.